Welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist, neuroimmune, and genomic specialist. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and we have Dr. Stewart, as always. Hi, Kara. I always feel like I do the same intro, and I try and make it exciting, but I don't know what else to say. But hey, good afternoon, everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, we are at a time, um, it is February 2020, and there's a big coronavirus going Mm -hmm. around, right? Dr. Stewart scaring people to death. No, I'm not. <laughs> it doesn't scare you because well, you're a virus expert. Well, it does scare me a little I bit. I mean, it, it, it scares a lot of people, but that's what we're going to talk about today. This show is about viruses, modern-day viruses, how they spread, what they do, nutrition and emerging viruses due to nutritional deficiencies. We're going to cover a lot of stuff in this. Sure. But first, let me just give some facts because, you know, along with the coronavirus, it's 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 kind of, it's the flu, influenza. Sure. And the facts are pretty startling this year because the most recent statistics collected through the week ending in January report that there have been 19 million cases of influ- influenza during 2019-2020 flu season sure. so far. That's an increase of 4 million cases since the last report. That's a lot. Right. So what's, I mean, what? Well, first of what's all, happening? So Why first so of all, when you got to understand viruses, you're talking about a huge group of um, right. entities. Um, people really get into discussion whether they're alive or not, but in, in true reality, they're not alive, meaning oh, really? they have to have a host yes. in order for them to function. Uh, they're divided into groups typically according to what type of DNA or RNA are inside of them. Right. And so, for instance, a herpes virus is a DNA virus, whereas the coronavirus is an RNA virus. Right. And so the way that they replicate, the way that they attack cells, the way that they um, uh, produce them, reproduce themselves, the way that they spread can be highly variable. Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem that we have is that we just do not have a lot of agents that can kill viruses. And in fact, it's very, very difficult inside of somebody to kill a virus without using the immune system. Yeah, they talk about some man-made, you know, um, pharmaceuticals to slow a virus down. But is that even, well, you instance, said that's hard. The, for instance, the way we attack herpes viruses, which is the most common, you're talking about fever, blisters, canker sores. Right. Genital herpes, Epstein-Barr, uh, chickenpox shingles. Um, they live inside of cells that the immune system will not attack. And so they live inside of those and they're in a dormant state. And they wait till the immune system is actually busy doing something else. Right. And then those viruses will jump out when the immune system is distracted. And not protecting will, the cell, yeah, technically. They will multiply. They will jump out, divide, and jump back in. So the way that we've been able to attack them is that when they try to divide, we're able to keep them from dividing. Okay. So essentially the immune system does the killing. So there's not a viral a true antiviral when it comes to herpes family viruses and the fact that they will kill like an antibiotic. Right. They trap the virus extracellularly so the immune system can kill it. Yeah, because, it, you know, like like you just said, viruses need a host, another living mm-hmm. organism that gives them everything they need to work. Right. And then they get inside the host cells and take it over. Mm-hmm. 
and the host cell's machinery makes lots of copies, so many that the cell copies. bursts and infects the other cell. Well, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Would that be the flu virus in particular? Influenza like- does that, but the thing is, it's really about the type of virus and how it comes. How it, where it comes from, what does it carry, right. how does it recognize the host cell, how does it infect it, does it actually kill the host cell, or does it just sit there and continue to release the viruses? Well, what's interesting about the, you know, the influenza virus that spread human to human, but this coronavirus that came out of China, they were talking about it came, it came from an animal to a human. You know, at first they said it was a snake, and then they said it was chickens. So first of all, let's let's go back and realize what we're talking about here. Okay. Okay. So, you've probably heard of SARS. Did you? Have right. You heard of SARS? Yep. Well, that was a coronavirus. That's the severe acute respiratory the syndrome. syndrome. So there's yeah. SARS that we've had previous outbreaks before. There are MERS, M E R S. Middle Eastern respiratory. And that was from Saudi Arabia, and I think it was 2012. But the long and the short of it, coronaviruses are a group of viruses that tend to infect the upper respiratory tract. There's lots of different ones. They call them zoonotic. Well, I just don't correct? get caught up. Don't get caught up in too many of those <laughs> technical terms. Okay. okay. What I'm going to tell you, though, is that um, the problem that we have with most of these viruses that create pandemics mm-hmm. is we have no idea necessarily how they occurred. And some people... and So they're guessing? Well, some people, including me, think that they could be man-made. There are... Lots of viral research going on. For terrorism well, in particular? You, know, you don't want to be too much of a conspiracy theorist. Right. That type of thing, I don't know enough want, to do that. <laughs> well, but you want to realize that we are working on lots of different things, utilizing these viruses, and everybody's concerned about those types right. of things. Now, the problem is in Wuhan, where this uh, virus um, Started. did start, um, there is a class four uh, bio biologic facility there that does do research on this. So it does seem a little bit suspicious. Okay. Interesting. And obviously the problem is when we're in communist uh, China, who knows what's really going on because the way they release information is not correct. And yeah, not a lot right. of people have said that. So the the best thing to do is just to be cautious about it. Um, you want to watch out for the news because there's just a lot of different information that doesn't necessarily apply. You mean it's not all real? <laughs> <laughs> But the answer to most of this is um, they weren't really sure how it was spreading as far as coronavirus is concerned. Right. And they have kind of figured out since it's a person-to-person transmission now that it probably was respiratory droplets. Okay. Because that's how it's spreading from person to person. Right. At first they thought maybe it was fecal mouth. Okay. meaning, Meaning just not washing your hands and things as well. And so there's still a lot of things to know about this virus. Now the problem is... Creating a vaccine for a virus is very difficult. And in fact, most of the time in these severe type of viruses, you have to actually use a live virus, Mm -hmm. uh, which is denatured by definition, to try to create a vaccine, which can be very complex and difficult because the worst experience with this was the live polio virus vaccine that they gave back in the 1950s, which wound up infecting many people with polio. Mm. So uh, I know vaccines, people talk about it and they think they should be able to come up easily. The The problem is when you have a pandemic like this of an unknown viral vector, you really are getting into a situation where you don't want them to practice that vaccine on you. Right. <laughs> you, you want well, it to kind of be proven. And so there's a lot of different 
uh, scientific unknowns when it when it comes from this uh, I, perception. I think what's happening too is the flu, whatever strain it is this year, is extremely strong. I mean, I just was out for four days because I could not get my temperature under control, and I I felt like a truck hit me. And right. you know, then my son got it, and then you have this coronavirus floating around. You don't know where that they're putting people in quarantine for fourteen days. Kind of explain why fourteen days is that window of it being quarantined. It actually just depends on the virus. Well, for the know. coronavirus, they're doing fourteen days on these people well, that so, are coming up with symptoms. You know, you're talking about them as a group, big group. It's kind of like saying a bacteria with strep versus a bacteria with staph. Those right. are different organisms, different ways to approach them. Do you okay. Understand? So, the thing about the flu is the way we describe a flu is with uh, we call it by an H number and N number, the mm-hmm. hemagglutinin and then the neuraminidase. And so you'll hear about the H1N1, which was the swine flu. You'll hear about the H3N2. So the problem is these viruses love to mutate every year. Mutate. Mm-hmm. Explain that. Which means they change their composition on the surface, which means right. that the, you can't just give a universal vaccine for flu like you can, for instance, for chickenpox. Okay. Okay. Or for measles because they change every year. So the problem is they're trying to decide right now about 2022 and which viruses will be active then. And I always say, I I laugh about it because I always say, if those guys were really good at guessing like that, they'd be in Vegas and not working for the federal government. (laughs) You mean, and there would be flu gone and flu wouldn't exist anymore? Well, no, I'm just saying they're guessing. So the problem is you shouldn't be surprised whenever we don't have a flu vaccine that works. Yeah. And you know, you talked about the viral, I mean, the genetic component, like influenza virus is notorious for changing its genome. So it has a genome just like humans? That's what it is. It's RNA and DNA. And it it will mutate itself? Correct. And then that's why you can't find the strain that's going to affect You can't because you're guessing about a year and a half to two years ahead. Think how many flu vaccines are given in a year. Yeah. Think how long it takes to produce all those. But each year is only one flu vaccine given? No, they give a vaccine with multiple valences, which means multiple different types that they're suspecting would come. So usually they'll contain four or five. Okay. And then if those don't work, I mean, like this year, obviously something happened because this, they didn't cover any of it. Four million cases more. They just didn't catch any. They, they got it wrong. So, so they are trying to, they're discussing techniques to maybe have a universal type of vaccine to the call that covers all of them. But right. so far it's been very difficult to do. You know, you, know, uh, you did a workshop to medical providers um, on regenerative medicine last mm-hmm. week. And the gentleman out of Hong Kong, Dr. Duong, you know, he, he was like, do you know how much the price of a facial mask is? He goes, it was like $60 one right. day and then $160, now 1600 But, you know, the experts are saying that those masks don't protect you. They won't. They said maybe a little bit, but a cough is a cough if you're well, coughed in your face or si- sneeze. The size of the virus and the size of the droplets is is beyond the capability of the mask. Okay, because when I think of a droplet, I think of like a blood droplet. No. These are tiny, tiny droplets. Microscopic droplets. Oh, okay. So they go right through the mask. So, yeah, and it was interesting because there were some some doctors that could make the workshop that were uh, out of Hong Kong or mm-hmm. China and couldn't make it out. I mean, is it just because well, of the, the airborne so we wear activity? A in, we wear a mask in surgery, but that's really to keep the bacteria out. Now, bacteria are enormous compared to viruses. Okay. So 
the, those masks are kind of ironic. We we really laugh about it as virologists watching people run around. Right now, obviously, there may be there may be theoretically some protection, but for the most part, if you're in close proximity to somebody with a highly contagious virus of this type, you're not going to get like protection. on an airplane or something. Like a cruise ship. <laughs> like a cruise ship. <laughs> like the gentleman just asked, uh, what would you say about advising going on a cruise ship? Right. He said, not right now, right? All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk, continue to talk about viruses and this crazy flu strain and nutrient components um, to how viruses can, can take certain nutrition and, and get inside the cell. And we're going to talk about how to protect yourself. All right. We'll be right back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Does it take you forever to wind down at the end of the day? Does your brain seem to keep going even though you're mentally and physically exhausted? Well, ProGAD Enhancer may be the answer you need. ProGAD Enhancer, designed by Dr. Kendall Stewart, is crafted with all natural ingredients to help calm your mind, calm your muscles, and put you in a better mood. Don't let mental fatigue wear you down. Let neurobiologics give you the rest you need. Visit neurobiologics.com for more details. Oh, the pain. Why won't anything help with the pain? Do you suffer from annoying pain that comes and goes or is a constant irritation? Neurobiologics physicians have created PEA Soothe Support, a natural nutritional ingredient found to have anti-inflammatory properties and has been shown to help soothe and relax you and your pain. Available in capsule or topical cream formula. Visit neurobiologics.com. Neurobiologics, changing lives one formula at a time. Hi, everyone. We're back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. We are talking about viruses, crazy viruses, modern-day viruses, flu, nutrition to protect yourself. Um, Dr. Stewart, you were just talking about the genomic or genetics that come into play with viruses. We're about to get there. Right. So here's the the deal. With all infectious diseases... um, it's really the only sure bet for your um, protection is the health of your immune system. Right. God has developed such a beautiful system that is able to not only recognize things that are foreign, but has ways to envelop them, recognize them, grab them, kill them. And really the virus, the immune system is really the, one of the few things uh, in a cell called a macrophage that can actually kill a virus right. by engulfing it and essentially destroying it. So the biggest problem is what people mistake um, when we see a huge number of deaths uh, from a viral outbreak right. is that um, the people who die, they're actually, there's, you can recognize that they had immune systems that were either too aggressive, right. means they were overworked and got tired, or they were weak, too weak to actually function the way they, they were supposed to. And you've said or, that before. I mean, mm-hmm. do you think like the people that have died from the coronavirus, is it just been because it's such a strong virus or because they had a weakened immune system? Well, listen, I think it's both. I mean, right. when you have a strong virus that's able to kill you um, and you have no way to mitigate its um, its effects on the body. And right. What this is really producing is a horrible pneumonia is what coronavirus is producing. These that people upper are, respiratory. These people are dying from viral explosive. And they're pneumonia. dying quickly. It's and a they're few dying days. quickly. The problem is those people, by definition, uh, pneumonia 
is basically fluid in the lungs that's created by pneumonitis, okay. which means inflammation of the lungs. All right. Okay. Now, the problem is uh, what we know from an inflammation standpoint genetically is some people are much more inflammatory than other people. Mm -hmm. So you can get the exact same infection in somebody who does not control their inflammation very well, which sets off an explosive pneumonitis, which can then lead to fluid in the lungs and you can die very rapidly. But that's an immune response, not the virus. I gotcha. Just you're not protect. So you're not able to protect yourself. The virus actually doesn't kill you. It's your immune response that kills you. So give us an example of you know you deal with lots of sick people, but a patient that might have some genetic mutations. What would these those particular genetic mutations? They came to you and said, "I have a family member who has a terrible case of flu. I want to be genetically tested so I know sure. what to take." So basically, what you what you're dealing with in these people. So let me back up a little bit. Um, People always say, I never get sick. That really worries me. Right. Um, Typically, that means you're getting exposed, but you're not mounting an immune response. Okay. So those people who never get fevers ever, those people are in trouble from an immune standpoint. Because once they get sick, they'll get real sick. The problem is, no, the bug doesn't make you sick. It's the body's response to the bug that makes you sick. Right. Do you understand? And so you can have the exact same infection in two people and one person will just get a little cough and the other person gets florid pneumonia. Right. But that's because of the aggression of the immune system. So in the immune system, we have on switches, Mm -hmm. which we talk about, which are interleukins. Right. They're basically chemical chemical messengers that turn on inflammation more or less aggressively. And then we have essentially some off switches. And if those off switches are broken, once you turn on inflammation, you have no way to turn it off. So the inflammation continues and just becomes exponentially worse. Right. So really what you're doing with these types of outbreaks is you're actually pre-selecting the people in the, in the um, human population that have healthier immune systems. Now, are you instructing your patients to do anything different when you know they have those broken off switches? Here's the problem. Most people assume that people who get really sick have weak immune systems. Mm -hmm. That is not true. Okay. Most of the time what they have is immune systems that once they get turned on cannot slow down. Right. And never can get rest, so they become tired. And then their body. And they're weak. Yeah. Okay, so there's a huge difference between somebody who has, let's say, a T-cell deficiency they don't have enough cells or enough soldiers in their army to fight right. versus somebody who has so many soldiers, but they're shooting slingshots instead of machine guns. Ah, good way to put it. Do you understand? Okay. And so really the people who really die quickly are the ones that have lots of messengers, mm-hmm. lots of soldiers, but they're shooting slingshots and they just can't keep up. Okay. They just can't do anything about it because they're so overzealous because if we can't kill something, we're going to inflame it. The way the immune system is set up is that basically there's a, ba- there's a check and balance in it. Mm-hmm. And if we get overwhelmed in the killing, the only thing we can do is create inflammation right. to try to slow the progress. And are you able to tell your patients you need to be really careful this flu season? I mean, you can tell the ones that are more of I susceptible. I hand them a prescription for Tamiflu no matter what. That oh, yeah. That's a, I got Even though I had the flu for four days, I took my Tamiflu and it probably would have been a lot worse for me. Mm-hmm. So we have you know? Zofluza now. We have Tamiflu. Zofluza is a single dose. Tamiflu has been around for a while. My patients carry it because my patients, by definition, they come to see me because they're immune compromised. Right. And I don't mean compromised like AIDS. They're right. immune. Like me. I get. Uh, what I call it, I call it an immune mechanism dysfunction. 
Right. Which means the perfect balance to the immune system is skewed in my patients to the point where they create way too much inflammation. Right. And thus, in essence, the cells never get rest and you don't create a healing environment. Well, let's talk about nutrition. I did find something interesting about, you know, a virus that's able to find a nutrient in the body and it will... <laughs> where Okay, Karen. it's. It's interesting. I mean, is have you ever heard of that? Sure. But you're getting into semantics of, you know, great scientific Well, like detail. if they're selenium deficient or if they're vitamin E deficient, yes, things but, of that you know, nature. But those kind of things make headlines, but they really don't apply to 99%. Well, it was from a, a medical abstract. Right. So. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so that just don't, just don't get caught up in that. What you really need to do is you need to have a good setup of buffers in your system to keep okay, it from Okay, let's talk about those. So the primary buffers for the immune system are progesterone and testosterone for men. And okay. Women, women and, and men. Pregnenolone too? Pregnenolone is the precursor, okay? We have cortisol, which mm-hmm. goes away very quick, and we have vitamin D. Those are all steroids. Okay. Vitamin D is called a secosteroid. Now, what those do is they buffer the immune system to keep it from overworking itself. Okay. Now, have you ever wondered why do old people get sicker? I just figure that they just have weaker immune systems. They have less buffers. How how much testosterone does an old guy have? And vitamin D do they have? How much progesterone does an older lady have? (laughs) Okay. And even if we replace it, you know bioidentical hormones, it's still not like your body that makes it 24-7. It's well, yeah, there, okay? yeah, when you're young. So the problem is, as you get older, your buffers of inflammation control reduce. Therefore, you start to age faster. Gotcha. Because all aging is is inflammation that can't repair. Okay. Okay? So that's why older people get sicker. Now, the problem is some people in the medical community, something I disagree with, they give a stronger flu vaccine to the elderly people. Because, because they think their immune systems are weak. So we're going to give a stronger vaccine. But which don't I a lot think, of them end up getting sick? Well, what they're trying to do is stimulate the immune system into responding more by using ah. a stronger dose. But really the problem is that the immune system is just not in good shape. And do you see a lot of those older people that get of really sick? Do. Of course you do. Yeah, you always hear about elderly or, and pregnant women. Like why Why do why do we focus on, on them when they have lots of hormones going on? Well, the answer is protection of... The, the baby. It's just a, that's just a group that is really set apart. Right. You know, like children. Right. You know. So when you're talking about the nutrient cofactors, you talked about the steroids, but okay. what then about... You have, then you have, if, you're, if your genetics tell us that you have trouble calming your immune system, this is where we use things like prescription low-dose naltrexone, right. CBD oil, palmitol ethanolamide. We can use resveratrol. The quercetin. immune restore. We can use um, we can use omega three fatty acids that are in the right situation. Right. The thing is, you're trying to use something to keep your your immune system from overworking itself. We've had a lot of calls about um, the neuroimmune infection control or the mm-hmm. immune restore. Which one should they take during this flu season? You would take both, but it depends on what you're trying to attack. I mean, really what's going on in both of those is you're trying to keep the immune system in a regulated state. Right. There are just some people who genetically can't regulate it no matter what they take, and that's why you need to identify it. And, you know, I don't want to give viruses all a bad name. You know, it it says that, you know, viruses cause bacteria that live in the oceans and soil. They're important for cycle nutrients. It's not the infection. It's the body's response to the infection. Very so coronavirus so- 
is what we would call a, a very aggressive initiator of inflammatory right. process, which means it's much more uh, prominent at setting off an explosive reaction quicker than other viruses. Why do you think it attacks the upper respiratory? It's just where it gets recognized. You know, there's always a there's always a part. The way it tells what cell it's recognized is there's a there's a polysaccharide. We call them glycoproteins. They're a protein with a, a sugar group that always is recognized by the virus to know what cell to enter. That, right. So, so they can find an effective host. And so, for instance, uh, influenza recognizes the NMDA receptor, which is the, glut- the glutamate receptor. Right. And so that's why most of the time when you catch influenza, you also get some emotional secondary side effects. I was you can crying. Get some, yeah, you can get some... <laughs> I was crying. So that, that we know for a fact. And so amantadine, which was the first medicine that was made for it, which comes from Annis back in the 70s, was designed to block that receptor so the influenza couldn't attack it. Well, I remember you talking about Annis and Pho, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, yeah. I wanted that every day if that sure. I had to eat something. So the thing is, influenza is just a very extraordinary virus. Um you know, I tend to call them uh, tools of the enemy because I like to think of them that way. Even right. though the whole idea is they probably have some positive purpose. Um, many people, including me, believe that a lot of our genome that we currently have actually got carried into our ancestors from mm-hmm. from viruses in the past, and it just got inserted into our human genome. Well, yeah, over time, I well, would think. And so, you know, the whole idea is... What you've really got to understand is if we can keep your immune system buffered to where it does not explode, the chance of you getting into some significant secondary side effects from most of these infections is lower. Okay. So for those people worried about the coronavirus, it's so far not in the I mean, there are cases in the United States. If it gets out are of hand. Are you worried about? Well, if the problem is the government has a responsibility to protect the public. Right. And the problem is you're dealing with a communist red regime in China who controls all the information. So I don't think they really know exactly what they're dealing with. Right. And so I think the government is right to be panicked about it. Okay. um, Because the problem with this, what it's shown is that the ability for it to transmit itself, I mean, it went from on a cruise ship from... Yeah, a long distance. Well, from a cruise ship from a couple of people infected to 450 people infected, which is... That's fairly astounding for a virus. I imagine everybody you walk past catches it. That's very scary. Well, on that note, everybody wash your hands, cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. uh, And let's just say a prayer for everybody out there that's sick this season or has this coronavirus. And thank you, Dr. Stewart, for fascinating information. And uh, everybody have a beautiful and blessed day. Bye-bye. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition.